and welcome to episode 130 of the agency podcast that's what we're doing right the agency yes podcast. yes we are today that's the <laughs> podcast that we're recording hi eugene this is candy in chicago hi and uh today is our our last episode of 2021 yes it is i think a lot of people are going to be looking forward to hoping that maybe 2022 will be progressively better i don't know <laughs> Yeah, although, you know, maybe for people like us looking for a podcast audience, having people at home with nothing to do uh, is a pretty good uh, condition. That, that that might be true. Little did we know when we started this that there might be desperately bored people out there to listen to us. Yeah. Yeah. How are so you doing? I wanted to take a minute okay. today to thank all the fantastic guests that we've had this year. Mm, good idea. So, I don't know. Between you and I, we tried to, to capture all the names mm-hmm. earlier today, mm-hmm. and I don't know if we got them all. So if we have missed you, we're really sorry. Um, but, you know, it's a lot of episodes and we've had to go back and mine this information because we don't happen to have a, a production assistant to keep track of it. <laughs> Yet. If you would like to hire us a production assistant <laughs> for 2022, you just go right ahead. <laughs> so we would like to think, oh, and this isn't necessarily in order either. Oh, no, it's not in order. I'm sure it's not. Uh, but that Carrie, would be really tough. Carrie Millsap Spears, Arnab Chakraborty, Jackson Rowe and Mike Milden, Scott Free, Rick Wallach, Jennifer Arnott, Sheila Gregory, and her fantastic interview with the late Christo, Richard Duckworth, Joe Newberry, Moses Leitergang, Jin JX, David Sawyer, Shelley Adler, John Vanderhyde, Dr. K. Cyanide, The Mighty Lopez, David Tombizi Walton, Rocky Zenick, Jesse Melmed, Madison Joy, Special Agent Sarah Elliott, Sue Frame, and Michelle Nordheimer. I Great. think that's, if I if it's not all of them, it's most of them. Thank you, guys. We really appreciate your coming on and making a, a richer podcast. We Definitely. We and three of those people were on twice. <laughs> Dr. K, uh, Sarah Elliott, and uh, David, Tom Bessie Walton. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, because there's cool. no rules. We can no. we can it's our party. That's right. We can cry if we want to, or have the same guests over and over again. <laughs> That's right. You'll it's be really excited good. to know that I saw Belfast. Oh, did you? And, and yes. What did you think? I thought it was very good. Very good. I really enjoyed it. And um, I was thinking about your coming coming of age. And one thing we forgot to say about coming of age stories that are often end of childhood stories. Yeah, because end of childhood is actually something that you might want to know about to understand some of your, you know, what happens when you lose your end of childhood. Sometimes you're repeating a pattern that may be good or bad from that time period. So I yeah. thought it was really wonderful. What a top cast! Um, the cast was incredible. I loved everybody in it, and it was so good. Catriona Bellick, they they really went all out. She's from Outlander, a hugely successful TV series, and then Jamin Jamie Doran from Fifty Shades of Grey plays the father. So they had a pretty fancy cast on there, and Judy Dench, of course. 
Yes, and the, the grandfather. It's funny, last night, mm-hmm. uh, Sheila and I watched a film that I'll be talking about a little bit later on, a yeah. film from 2002 called The Sum of All Fears. Mm. And the president of Russia was mm-hmm. played by the guy who played the grandfather in Belfast. Yeah, good point. Yeah, familiar actor again, I, good point. Yeah, he's been, I, I don't even know what his name is. He's been in a lot of things. And yeah. he's always like just a really good, he just makes yeah. things better. Mm-hmm. His presence. I think. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I was surprised that it was like a reverse Wizard of Oz. It started out in color and then changed into black and white. And I do mm. think then there was a drawing of the road. So I think there was a little bit of this was his, his feeling of um, Wizard of Oz. And Wizard of Oz is really a famous end of childhood coming of age story. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and also the other thing is where the the adults seem inept, right? Because the Wizard of Oz is where Dorothy has to fix everything. Like her, yes. the adults in her life are complete screw-ups or in, un, incapable. They're not screw-ups. They're not able to have any autonomy or agency. And uh, uh, Dorothy yeah, in, has in, it In the case of, of Belfast, yeah. the adults are fighting about something that just makes no sense at all to the children. Right. Yeah. Right. They and just I mean, don't. They just don't get it at no, all. Right. Because no, he, they they all kind of live together and they're friends. They don't. They, what What is the problem here? Very true. And I thought it was very beautiful. Yeah. So it's set when the UK is has colonized part of Ireland, and you know we know colonization stories are very difficult. We know who the bad guys are. We know colonization is not good, and um, basically the kids are. You're right. They're not really sure why this has to be fought over and they want to be friends and they'll even struggle to to compromise either joining gangs or joining re- uh, religions changing religion to try and get along there were a lot of fun things where the tv was color anything they watched at the time went back to color i, I had mixed feelings about it to be honest with you Sometimes, like it was maybe a bit over stylized maybe it bothered me mm-hmm. it, I uh, but i didn't lose sleep over it i think it's a fantastic movie it was fun to see the color in black and white, but um, I wondered what it would have looked like if they had been, I think Star Trek was black and white still, wasn't it? I don't know. No, because you could always tell, you could always tell the guy who was going to get killed when he beamed down to the planet was always (laughs) wearing a different color shirt. Oh, no, that's what I meant. I meant, I wondered, did I don't remember it being color in this movie, but I'm sure it was, but I don't, maybe it was just because it was the enterprise and space, but it was really funny. The whole family watching Star Trek. I like that. And I didn't have any clue that, you know, you forget Star Trek went everywhere in the world. I always think of all the Trekkers just being in North America, but uh, apparently in uh, colonized Ireland, they liked it there too. Uh, Chitty Chitty Bay. Bang Bang was on there, which is interesting. And wasn't that a delightful little clip? Very great clip. And Truly Scrumptious just passed away. I can't remember the actress's name, but she just passed away a couple of days ago. I love yeah. that movie. You know who wrote Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, don't you? The same person who wrote James Bond. Really? Yeah, that's the, the joke. Yes, that's the joke is because her name's Truly Scrumptious as opposed to Pussy Galore or something, right? Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, it is pretty hilarious. <laughs> I had yeah. no, I, no he, idea of yes, that. Yes, he did. Well, I, you know, when I was a kid, I really liked uh, that movie as well. And, um, yeah. and wasn't Dick Van Dyke in that film? Yes, he I is. think he just, didn't he just turn 99 or 100 or something crazy like He's that? He's up there. He's amazing. He is up there. He's definitely somebody we will He study. still looks like 50. He does he's, still look like, like He's a remarkably youthful old guy. He is. I, it's a dancer. You know, yeah. dancing's good for you. 
Um, I yeah, guess no, that's it. I, that's the moral of the story. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a fantastic movie, fantastic cast. And um, oh my God, yeah, really good. Really good. So we watched that this morning and really enjoyed it. I've really caught up with a lot of stuff. I watched Vigil. Oh, excellent. Yes, all my homework is done. <laughs> Excellent. Well, let's talk Vigil. Did I you did it. you do you agree that Vigil jumped the shark by episode five? Well, I, I do. I I didn't think it was any more jumping the shark than the whole premise. Uh, maybe <laughs> at that point it was just getting long. When they added the nerve gas and the Russian spies, it was getting a little much. Yeah. Well, I think the Russians that the Russian spy was on the ship. You mean on the? Uh, sorry, on the boat. That, that there the there's boat. yeah there's a Russian spy on the yeah. boat. That there's like the uh, the the love affairs. There's uh, like they just if there was something that you could add yeah. to juice it up, they added. Yeah, it. yeah. Like, let's, they, oh, they let's add some more did. elements. I, I agree with you. They definitely and, did do and that. You would think before they assigned my best detective to go on board <laughs> the submarine, they'd mm-hmm. ask a question like. Do you get freaked out if you're underwater in a confined space? You would think that they would ask the question. <laughs> yes, and you'd think they'd already know that her family died. They had a trauma going underwater. Yeah. So they wouldn't even have to ask that. They should have known it already. However, I didn't find that stop me from enjoying. I, I thought it was really a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It's tremendously I think enjoyable. Maybe a little bit long. Maybe there was too many of Maybe it was too many episodes. Yeah, you um, could have done it in a couple less episodes for yeah. sure. I mean, I, I, there, there was, and I wasn't, she wasn't entirely lovable to me. I wish that she had a little bit more, you know, it was kind of a grim, she was so grim. I, and I guess that's because she has terrible loss. I kind of wish there was almost some comedy in it. And she was grim. Because nobody, here she is locked on board a submarine (laughs) for a couple of days that turns into a couple of weeks. Right. And nobody's given her the time of day. Right. That really bothered me. I didn't like that being a driving narrative of the story. You need conflict. Every story needs conflict, right? Um, But I thought, oh, I don't want it to be like the boss says, no, you can't do that. No, you have to stay in your room. So then all of a sudden, (laughs) and then it would suddenly be the next conflict was, you know, ricin. What was the poison? The nerve gas. Um, the, the 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 conflicts were so dynamically different. Some were boring, and some were super exciting. Having said all of that, I thought it was really great, and I did like the fact that there was lots to watch in the submarine, and um, maybe a few more characters developed, maybe some humor. But I did really like it. I really, really liked it. Well, yeah, we kind of liked it too. But I think the last couple episodes is like we were like. This is getting ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, great idea for a story, though. Definitely. I think they could have done it into uh, four episodes. Sure. Rather than six. But, you and, know, uh, why, why do four when you can do six? I know. I know. That's that, you know, that's the, <laughs> the, the problem with the whole entertainment industry is you have to be able to take any little shred of mm-hmm. an idea that you can get funded mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and and milk it for every last ounce of life it might have. Well, someone did do an anecdote for that. I thought it was very good, but I also don't want to forget, I'll mention that in a bit, but someone did find a way in to even deal with the fact that corporate art makers and corporate movie makers want you to milk, 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 so or TV stations. Uh, and they found a way to, um, to anecdote that. Um, but I wanted to remember two fix-its. Okay. If that's okay with you. And one, yeah. I never said I didn't eat cereal, but I like smoothies in the morning. I want to answer that for Adamandia. Um, but listen, um, 
I said something. Oh, oh. Okay, just before you do that, yeah, I just yeah. want to say that that there is more to the cereal saga. There's another response from Adamandia about oh. cereal. Yes, and she just said that I'm tickled about how long you talked about cereal <laughs> and chewing on the podcast. Well, yeah. for you, Adamandia, anything. Anything as, for you. as for soggies, when I do eat cereal, <laughs> I don't put so much milk in that the cereal would get soggy. I like some crunch left in my cereal. Now, yeah. we have the opposite problem. We often put too much milk in the cereal in the morning. I do too. And, do you too. know, one day we both had more milk than we really wanted in our cereal once we got all the soggies and blueberries consumed. And one of us said, gee, I wonder if the dogs would like a little bit of milk. And we gave them the last of the cereal milk. Well, I'm going to tell you one thing about dogs is dogs are absolutely the most entitled creatures. You do something for them once and they want it all the time. Right. So now every morning they watch us eat cereal. It's like, are we going to get the cereal milk this morning? Oh, if I love only that. we could have a bit of a bit of cereal milk. Oh, and it's stained blue from the blueberries. Mm -hmm. We would really just Aww, love a taste that of that is so cereal cute. milk. You know, um, so, a genius. Go ahead. Um, I just was just going to say that I interrupted you and no, no, uh, I want to no, get no. you back it's on okay. track. It's okay. Thanks for getting me back on track. I'm going to interrupt myself and say two things. One. Yeah. So I drink smoothies. I'm, I like to put flaxseed oil in it. Um, sometimes I put collagen, yogurt, soy, uh, almond milk, a banana and berries. I try to make that as much as possible. And I've been known to have it every day. Um, really? I have yes. never made a smoothie. Oh my God. Yeah. It's just in my whole life. Way. I've never, and it's I a... would make smoothies, but you know, we have a tiny kitchen. Yeah. And um, where would you put a blender? Well, I, That's I, our whole I problem. understand that. Is, that is, is a drag. Right. If we don't have room to put something, it means it gets stored in the basement. And if you're thinking, gee, I'd like a smoothie this morning, <laughs> I'll go down, hunt around in the basement and find the blender. Right, like, right. It's just not happening. Right. Right. So I, I don't do smoothies. Yeah, I have a special area for the blender so I can grab it pretty easily. And um, yeah, I like that. It's a great diet food because um, you get all that berries and fruit and it's just a great. I don't really like eating bananas either. So it's a good way for me to have a banana. Um, when then I, when I was in, say, in Hanoi, yeah. I, I had smoothies every day because they have the best fresh food, fresh fruit smoothies and right, cafes in right. Hanoi. They're yeah. so good. Yeah. Yeah, I like to put MCT. I had a lime smoothie that was just to die for. Oh, I also put a distilled uh, coconut oil in my coffee to make bulletproof coffee. So I'm trying to have those omega-3 oils, you know? So that's uh -huh. why I like the smoothie. It's a good way to have those oils. Um, somebody invented, a genius invented cereal milk ice cream. And she's an employer or partner to David Chang and his milk bar. And I guess she does all the desserts or... I think she did David kitchen. Chang, the uh, the chef. Yeah, and I oh. forgot her name. I'm very sorry to say, but she created cereal milk ice cream, which I think is just genius because everybody loves that cereal milk at the end. The milk at the end that's got the sugar in it. Um, I thought that was wow, what a great invention. Okay, so then my one of my fixits was those were not my fixits, but I'm glad we said something. I had said something about when we were talking with Susan Frame about lockdown, the difference between um quarantine in in a, in the states during this and then her lockdowns when they're protesting and i had complained about the takeout 
I want to differentiate up between the takeout during quarantine versus takeout leftover from the quarantine when we're all open. I don't know if I told you that we went to a Japanese restaurant that had great pancakes in Wicker Park. I also have forgotten the name of that. <laughs> but um, they, at the end of the time we ate there, they said, thank you so much for coming out in person to eat because they were completely overdosed. If you're not a takeout restaurant, you don't really have the facility or the energy. And most people who are servers haven't signed up to be takeout kitchen people. Mm -hmm. So yeah. they were covering all of that. So um, you know, yes. curiously enough, it's worked out. The pandemic has worked out well for some restaurants, which were mostly takeout anyway. Yes. And I'm thinking, for instance, in our neighborhood, like Tasty Korea up the street. Yeah, I mean, sure, it's possible to sit down and have your dinner at right. Tasty Korea. They've got they have seating for what, four or six people. Yes. Uh, yes. But it's really for it's there for those customers who who want it but really they're a takeout place right and so they've been happily doing the takeout business through the pandemic right and they also have staff that focus on that's a job in its own that they do and so my complaint is when you are doing a different job like a waitress or a bartender and you're suddenly doing takeout it's hell and are we gonna, are we gonna do the phone call no i'm not gonna take this phone call because Come I don't on. know how I'm going to do it and answer the phone and get my headphones off and everything. I was hoping you didn't hear it. <laughs> oh, no. Of course I heard it. I was hoping you would do an, an, an on-the-air phone I know. call. Maybe I, it I would be a I telemarketer. Should. It probably is a telemarketer. I doubt that it's it's my landline. And for me to get to the phone from this position, take off my headphones, I think it would be certain disaster. So okay. I feel like people are very aggressive if you tell them that there's no takeout um they're they're feeling like they deserve takeout when when it's not quarantine anymore if you don't deliver food sometimes they are just freaking out because they really got used to it and they really like it um so i just want to adjust that difference so it's not that i'm against doing takeout during the quarantine part that part made sense and very glad for support of restaurants it's when things are opened up again um one other fix it was you had said that maybe the brother when we were talking about um manhunt and the Unabomber, I want yeah. to fix what I said, because you had said maybe he was doing it to get attention, right? And I said, no, I didn't think so. But I, I actually have thought about what you said. And I do think you're right. I think we're both correct. I think that he was doing it to get attention, but attention, not just to save his brother, but maybe he was really embarrassed that his brother was a serial killer. And maybe his mother was very embarrassed. So for their pride, if they could put it on to being mental health, which it, I'm sure he I'm sure it's possible he's mentally ill. Um, that uh, just the murder part would be an indication. <laughs> when you're going around murdering people as a serial killer, I'm, I'm going to say you're mentally ill. And um, so that part, I think, I think we were both right. I just want to fix that saying, no, I think you made a good point that he was maybe a little self-serving. I thought that wasn't fair when he was trying to save his brother's life. But no, I think actually maybe there was some self-serving. Not the end of the world, but just to save face. Save mm -hmm. face for his family. Also, he had no idea that there was there was CIA working in Harvard and MK Ultra when he was doing it, because obviously he would have blamed them at the time. So I just want to finish that up. That, okay. was, it. that was my fix up for today. <laughs> I'll just tear off that sheet of paper in my notebook. <laughs> so I stay on focused, you know, no, stay focused, not unfocused. All right. So this, is this not the weirdest, the weirdest week of the year? 
I think Why? It's because weirdest... you think it's weird every year? Yes, it's or... every year this week. I love and it's it. Be- it's because there's um, our culture sets up all this frenzy and anticipation um, for that Christmas holiday. Mm-hmm. And then it has, it redoes it again at New Year's. Mm-hmm. And then in between, there is this kind of doldrum <laughs> week. Right. And you've been eating too much because everybody yeah. eats too much. And then and then there's just all of a sudden you don't have to scurry around. No one's expecting anything. You don't have to go Ooh. anywhere. And it's like you're in this weird limbo for for a week. I feel like I've been in this limbo. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoy that. You know, I unplugged the Christmas machine a long time ago. It doesn't mean that I don't celebrate the winter holidays and, and give gifts. Mm-hmm. I love giving gifts. I love all that. But I unplugged that thing. We're pretty, I, I, we're pretty low key yeah. about it as well. And I in fact, you know, Sheila does more of it than, um, than I do because, you know, I haven't been seeing a whole lot of my family mm-hmm. um, and um, you know, there's little kids in Sheila's family and well, right. that this is a great holiday for kids. So, right. um, you know, Sheila's kind of into that, uh, but oh. I haven't had to do really much except make a nice dinner on, on the Christmas yeah. day. I think it's a really psychological for me. I just don't have, I just feel like I took a chill pill and I can relax through the whole thing. Um, I mean, definitely there's, there's, there's levels of part where you're wrapping gifts and that that can be kind of tiring or something, but in general, I don't feel that frenzy, but I feel like when the holidays come around, I feel like, Oh, finally, the rest of the world is living how I live slowed down, social, more relaxed, uh, thinking about maybe what's important to them in their lives. I feel like a camaraderie on that and I enjoy it. I enjoy it when people are lucky enough to feel happy on the holidays. Now the, the week between, I love it. I used to love it when, um, now I had to work this year, but normally I, I don't often work in that week. And I kind of love being that lazy bones. Finally, everything slowed down. The traffic is slower. Um, it was pretty quiet in Chicago this week. I was cat sitting for Michelle who you mentioned in our list of guests, Michelle Nordmeyer, um, my friend, we there, I was looking after their little kitty cats. They have four cats that live outside and two that live inside. They have some feral cats in the backyard. And I really enjoyed going to their place. And it just seemed like the city was really quiet. I like that. It's time to read and eat cookies. <laughs> and I'm not against either of those activities. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And, you know, New Year's comes, I have mixed feelings about New Year's. I like to be at home on New Year's. I we used to too. go to, yeah, I used to go we to house. never go out on New Year's. That's our idea of New Year's is to do as little as possible and maybe get takeout. Right. I've been known to it. work. I've been known to work at, at, in places for New Year's. And that's kind of why I have mixed feelings about it, because it's always been a work night. And then I've been known to have not worked that night and maybe go to a couple of warehouse parties back in the day. I haven't done that for a long time. And oh, I mean, I, I can recall doing that, but that was in the wild years. Yeah, sometimes. I don't even maybe, remember. I wasn't even born yet, right? Right. Maybe sometimes a house party. But most of the time I'm at home. I don't know. It's it's I, it's not that I don't like New Year's. I'm probably going to watch Andy Cohen and um, Anderson Cooper or something, you know, entertainment in, in Central, not Central Park, in um, Times Square or something. Um, but I'm working this year. So is Stag and I'm working New Year's Day. Usually you don't work both those days. You work one or the other, but short staff everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I'll be working those. Probably a, a nice dinner. It ends pretty early, but then I'm going to turn around and be at work on uh, at one o'clock or something on, on New Year's Day. Now, you know what else I happened to watch? I noticed it on Netflix. It was called the Miami Showband Massacre. 
And it has so much to do with um, Belfast because it's uh, the Miami show band was a um, uh, Irish band that I guess in the seventies and sixties in Ireland, they had all these show bands and they would have dance parties and it was very, very popular. And this was about a, a band that was crossing into Northern Ireland because they were very popular in Northern Ireland as well as Southern Ireland. And it gets blown up and three of the band dies and two of them survive. And it's kind of unraveling what happened, who did this, how did this happen? And um, it was a really good story, um, which kind of related to your Belfast movie, but a different thing. I think it was like 1971 or something. And it turns out that the person who stopped them at the border had a British accent and they threw a bomb into the bus to make it look like they were terrorists because maybe they resented the fact that this band was so popular. Um, and it was a kind of a warfare, cultural warfare. is that terrible? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible, but a great documentary if you get a chance to watch it. All right. Well, there was a lot about taxes in Belfast, wasn't there? Taxes, house value, paying rent. Yeah. It's sad. Everybody's really struggling. Well, I, I think it was it's a general indication of people were living um, uh, without a lot of means. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Well, the other thing about this week is it's also the week when you realize that you've streamed everything in the whole world <laughs> ever made. And, you know, and you, you know, you're trying to find something to, you want know, to relax and watch right. something on the, on the television right. and, and, uh, and, you know, and, and you start to get desperate. You start to turn on Ion TV and watch like SVU reruns. Not that you know, <laughs> you've had a, like a level of desperation. Yeah. Where you, you turn on PBS and it's, it's always Rick Steves and he's always <laughs> traveling in Europe. And there's, he must have recorded thousands of these things and they've got him in a vault because, because, you know, he's always on. And then there's like that, that, the test kitchen show where right. all these, all these happy, <laughs> smiling white people test and find out which is, uh, which is the, the right uh, methods uh, for mm. like cooking your pork chop. Mm-hmm. That is true. That, so they've been repeating that all the all the time. Well, right? so you know, it's like we're we're hitting a certain level of uh, desperation. So um, we decided <laughs> we would watch a couple of old bad movies, <laughs> and I thought I'd talk about them. Okay. So one of them we watched uh, the other night, um, the a sum of all fears mm-hmm. from uh, two thousand and two, and it's uh, based on uh, Tom Clancy's character Jack. I'm just an analyst, Ryan. <laughs> right. Um, and it's starring, this one is starring Ben Affleck and Morgan Freeman. And this was at a time when I believe that if Morgan Freeman wasn't in the movie, they paid him anyway, because he was in almost all the <laughs> right. movies ever made very around that time. Yes. An incredible number of movies. So this is... Um, this is a movie that's it's a sort of a, a spy Cold War film, and there's a nuclear attack on Baltimore, and it looks like um, it looks like the Russia, the United States is going to be World War Three. Everyone's going to get blowed up real good, and oh yeah, and there's the whole romantic thing with Ben Affleck and um, and his girlfriend, who um, <laughs> whose love affair intensifies throughout the chaos. 
Isn't this a remake of um, Hunt for Red October or just a cousin to it? There's no submarines in this one. No submarines. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, it's not a submarine movie. No, it's a, it's a Jack Ryan movie. And, you know, the one thing about it is, you know, it has that warm, fuzzy feeling you, you get around um, around a movie in which nothing is going to surprise you. No, that's true. And it, yeah, and it is relaxing. You know, the CIA funds um, terrorist movies, right? <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, they don't fund all movies, but they, they're not a, disinclined to fund a good old-fashioned terrorist movie you um, know that aren't these when, when not, this podcast these... comes out they're gonna they're gonna find out they're gonna have their bots out and yeah. they're gonna find out we use the word cia and terrorists and they will open a file on us well i think we've said it a few times plus um i think uh isn't there neo-nazis in this because that's always good Neo-Nazis are always good. This one good. has Neo-Nazis. Oh, this one has, okay. No, it has it has a rogue general or something who oh. who steals a, a nuclear weapon and and like that. Okay. So um you know, it was kind of all right, but it wasn't <laughs> it got on, on the uh Rotten Tomatoes aggregator, uh the critics gave it 59% and the audience gave it 49%. Well, and not- you know, it's probably about right. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw it a long time ago. I probably saw it in the theater for all I know. Um, I, I did see it. I think I enjoyed it. Entertaining, you know. Yeah. Didn't um, change the, the other, world or anything. The other movie that we saw also falls into the okay time waster mm-hmm. category. It's a 1996 mystery thriller. And this one we watched, even though on the uh, Rotten Tomatoes aggregator, the tomato meter gives it 18% and the audience gives it 31%. That probably would have stopped us. Starring (laughs) Demi Moore, Mm. uh, Alec Baldwin, Anne Hesch, and James Gandolfini. Can you tell Um. me the name of this movie? Demi Moore, Mm. Alec Baldwin, Anne Hesch, James Gandolfini. It's a courtroom drama, right? Yes, so yes. Bribing, bribing Demi Moore, trying to bribe her. Uh, bribing or threatening? threatening yes, yeah, called to, the juror. Yes. Okay. All right. Yes, and Alec Baldwin plays. He's a real bad Nick, yeah. and he becomes obsessed by her. <laughs> and um, she is she is an artist who makes sculptures that you can feel but not see. Oh. I always love how Hollywood treats artists. Yeah, me too. It's, it's always hilarious. really adorable. It is. And in this case, she makes sculptures that are plain boxes with armholes. And you go <laughs> and you put your you put your arm into the box and you feel stuff and you experience whatever. It's like art school. Yeah, no, I saw that movie too. It didn't it didn't stay with me, but I didn't hate it. I thought it was enjoyable. It, well, you know, it kind it kind of was enjoy like it was a little bit much, you know. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that's just a little bit much in it, but it kind of got by on the strength of Debbie Moore and Alec Baldwin are both pleasant to watch. They and, are pleasant to watch, and she's earnest. She's always earnest. She's very yeah. good at it. She's good at what she does. I, I actually like Demi Moore. Um and it was really nice to see James Gandolfini <laughs> in something besides uh soprano so this was 96 and he plays a character who's very very much like uh mr soprano Mm -hmm. uh, but that didn't start until 1999 
Right, right. Good for him. I mean, that was a good discovery. So, I still can't believe he died. Well, that's really sad, isn't it? It is very sad. Very sad. Yeah. yeah oh, okay, so you went no retro. You went land. retro. Well, I watched Indiscreet with Cary Grant and Ingrid Bergman. That was a lot of fun. Ooh. I was very What's busy. That about? Oh, it's about, um, oh, he's such a bum. He's a, a commitment phobe. And he tells people he's married. He's not married. <laughs> <laughs> and so he gets into a love affair with um, with Ingrid Bergman, who's an actress. And she lives in an incredible apartment. I don't know if it's in Paris or England. I think it's in England. Um, and it, I just was obsessed with her apartment. It was so beautiful. I've started hanging more paintings on my walls because she has a lot of art in her walls. And um, it was really cute. And uh, of course, she doesn't know that he's actually married, but she agrees to have an affair with him. And, um, you know, Madcap does not ensue. It's a rather, it's not, it's a romantic comedy, but not too funny. Okay. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, like a rom sort of calm. That's right. So on Christmas Eve, I told you we were going to see The Matrix Res- Resurrections. Ah, did you? We, yeah, it's funny. When it came down to it, I kind of didn't want to go anymore because I was like, tired i was like geez i feel like tossing this idea just losing we had bought tickets ahead of time and then i'm thinking about omicron and the virus and mutating in a movie theater and going downtown but we did go <laughs> like a couple of numb nuts we did who, go <laughs> who came up with the omicron name anyway you know like, you I know there should you know we too. need godzilla versus omicron we i wondered why we came up with that name too i thought delta was adequate i thought we were going to go through the alphabet or something i don't know what omicron it is it is Greek, I guess, but I don't know who came up with it. And I now I say it like it's a normal thing. That's um, right. Like, by like the we, way, we know all about it. I am aware of dozens of people who have COVID right now. Dozens and dozens. It seems it's, like it's this insanity. one is just wildfire. It's but insanity. it also seems that that people who have their shots and their boosters um, get a, what appears to be a cold. Yes. You know, people aren't getting that seriously right, ill. Right, right. So right. it seems, and yeah. I'm hoping that that continues to yeah. be the case. Yeah, yeah. I still don't want to get it. <laughs> um, oh, so we went. So we did. We saw it at twelve thirty. We went downtown. The theater was very quiet, and we had very comfy seats. And the Matrix was really good. It is the um, anecdote for the sequel machine of Hollywood. It did not give anything that people would want if you went to go see The Matrix and you were expecting it to be what it was. They managed to write a very different story that even has some sly references to um, telling the story over and over again. It turns out that the premise, what the, what, what the, um, turns out that um, Neo, Keanu Reeves' character, believes that he is the um, creator of a video game. So they had a really interesting take on video games and that, that he had written these great popular video games and everybody was playing them. And then he runs into the love of his life, but they kind of don't remember each other because they've been put back into the matrix and they've been put back into pods and their batteries again. Um, it does not give any kind of action that you normally would associate with the matrix being three major big over-the-top action films there's very little fighting in it it is a love story which the matrix was always a love story um to love thyself to to love that love will be the answer to the machines and they have all kinds of interesting dialogue and that i need to listen to again that um argues about that um you need to kind of 
Not all technology is horrible, but you need to handpick it. And uh, it was really good, and I loved it. Really good. Right on. Well, you know, we saw Keanu, in that movie. We saw a Keanu Reeves, Reeves movie the other, the other day as well. I almost forgot about it. Oh. Um, it just there it was. Sheila found it because Sheila finds she can extract stuff out mm. of the uh, mm. out, out of the the the, the server <laughs> machine there. Yes, um, better than anyone I know. I don't know where she <laughs> finds it. She came up with Keanu Reeves. And I can't get Bullock. Oh, yeah. Lake House? No. Oh. Speed. Speed. Oh, well, I thought it's that was the too bus obvious. one. It is. I could I watch that, that one a hundred times in a yeah, row. Me too. I love this. Sandra I love Bullock Speed. driving the bus. She can't go less than 50. They can't park it. And Dennis Hopper's the bad guy. <laughs> Listen, in my world, if I have to face an evil villain, I know it's going to be Dennis Hopper. You know, and it's the worst thing. The one thing you do not want is to have the evil villain being Dennis Hopper because right. he is a nasty dude. He is a nasty dude. He's so good in it. Everyone's so good. That's a perfect movie. Really, fun it really is. In a way, yeah. it's a perfect movie. Yeah. It's yeah. tremendously exciting. Yeah, and I think Ed Norton's on the bus too. Oh, you know what? I think you might be right. It's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah, he's like uh, the tourist guy. You know, that's Elio's son wrote that. Oh yes, of course. Yeah, Graham Yost Graham wrote Yost. that. Yeah, yeah and you know that. it is it is just about a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I could. It doesn't matter how many times I've seen it. <laughs> if you said if I was over there and you said, "Hey, let's watch Speed," I go, "Oh, okay, that's amazing." I, yeah, I would just watch it again because it's just exactly right. Plus, it's plus it's a love story. It's a love story in an action film, right? Which is and amazing. they have those they have those wonderful intimate moments yeah. where they say people say that relationships that start in times of crises are never successful, and then <laughs> and then Sandra Bullock says, "Well, then let's just do it for the sex." <laughs> the best line. You would love that line. You and Sandra Bullock. That's okay. I I have my Keanu. I'd see her Sandra. even in her worst movie. That has to okay? be the perfect agency podcast movie because your favorite and my favorites in it. Exactly. <laughs> oh, too funny. I had a lot of people reach out to me because they knew I'd be so excited about The Matrix. So that was a lot of fun hearing from people. Um, I love Speed. I could watch that tonight. No problem. Yeah. 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 I almost forgot that we watched it, but it was, it was quite fantastic. I mean, it's because I've seen it several times, right? Right. Right. You know what's funny? There's, there's so many things in the Matrix. I think I'll wait till you see it to talk about it further, okay? okay. If you do see it, I don't know. Well, um, you, you might know, like I, it because it's not an obvious, it's not an obvious part of the machine. They did make it uncorporate, and there's all kinds of references about corporate mentality in it. And about art making and storytelling. Well, I, I want to see it, you know, and I have yeah. been going to movies since um, the appearance of, um, of Omicron. Omicron. Yeah. I haven't been going much of much of anywhere because it seems to be spreading at such a terrifying it really rate. Is. It is. And then, you know, we were going to be seeing uh, a couple that we know uh, on Ooh. Christmas Day. And, you know, they're they're older and mm-hmm. we wanted to be sure whatever happened that we didn't give them COVID. Yeah, yeah. And so um, we were able to get hold of uh, some rapid tests and uh, we did a oh, rapid test fantastic. the night before. And, fantastic. Uh, and that was exciting. I was about to ask. Um, well, they have, it's really, really straightforward. You know, you twirl the thing around in your nose, you mm-hmm. drop it in, in the solution, mm-hmm. um, you swish it around, you you drop it in, into this little 
piece of plastic thing and then you wait. That's basically yeah. it. Perfect. Well, they have instructions mm -hmm. that were written as <laughs> if it was a translation three languages over. You oh. know, it was like almost impossible to understand the damn thing, but really it was very straightforward. Good, good. I know that there um people are are leaning on those right now and 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 getting them and uh, you know what when I was driving around there's lineups for free testing um all over the the neighborhood just lineups and lineups it's crazy i guess because it is spreading people want to spend time with each other so they want to make sure that they're not um contagious well exactly it's something else i mean the good news is that this is maybe how the virus is supposed to go to become weaker and become like a cold isn't coronavirus part of the cold family anyway yes it is yeah there you yeah. go so we want it to weaken out and get less i hope it i hope it can and hopefully less the other reason why people and when it's really weak yeah. when it gets really weak yeah that's what we stomp on its head that's right <laughs> kick it when it's down not a problem hey how about being the ricardos oh yeah yeah i was, was really nervous to watch it well i i was too first of all i thought who could ever play lucy exactly Right. And their choice of an actor to play Lucy would not be my choice. Mm -hmm. I agree. But, um, but I got to say, uh, Nicole Kidman really worked out in this in this role. She was very, very good. And it didn't matter that she didn't look like Lucy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, she made up for that by smoking a lot. I, I agree. She had some of her body language. And I think what was really good was it wasn't really about them. It was about the role of women in, 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 in the workplace in a lot of ways. Um, it way, was a sure, very yeah. interesting script. I mean, can Aaron Sorkin do wrong? I don't think so. He's just so amazing. Um, yeah, it was pretty compelling. Um, it was weird. I mean, nobody looked like the original characters. But after a few minutes, it didn't bother me. Right? Really, bother, after a couple of minutes, well, after didn't a few me minutes, like five minutes or so, I bought right into it, and I was really. The, the voices were all really good, though. If you closed your oh, eyes, it yes, wasn't bad at were. all. Yes, they were. I thought Nicole Kidman really did nail her voice, and she was very good at what she needed to do for the role. I thought that she did. I, I give her nine out of 10, 10 out of ten, even. Obviously, she. Um, it's disturbing to see some of the work she's done on her face. I wish she hadn't have, but that's Hollywood. I just had to it's ignore the, that. There With seems the to be a lot of pressure at, at Hollywood to, to yeah, do that to yourself. Yeah, the, I guess. the fillers um, and all she, that. Sheila, Sheila told me that that she read somewhere that uh, that Nicole Kidman started smoking to so that she could transform her voice for this role. Oh, well. And I don't know if that's true or not. Pretty, mm. pretty uh, uh, dangerous research and development activity, but um, nonetheless, uh, whatever works. Mm -hmm. I did think they were all method acting, like like bananas. I thought that, and I, I was interested in the whole part of how they showed her processing the storyline, that she was so important to the writing. And, um, that, and she was not a perfect person by any means. That's hard to see when you really love someone, to see their flaws. And, um, but, you know, I thought it was really interesting where they'd say, this is going to be the storyline. And then she would go into her imagination of how it was going to, what part would make it funny. And yes. that they showed how much credit she had in writing. And yeah, I mean, what comedy. it really showed is that she had an instinct for physical comedy, really which was did. really unparalleled. 
Yes. Like she knew what to do to make it yes. its funniest. Yes. <laughs> and they had lots so of true. examples in, yes. in the film uh, about um, how she transformed the, cri- the scripts. Mm-hmm. And then you, she got recognition from the other characters who, mm-hmm. you know, who would say, well, yeah, it was far funnier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, Javier Bardem, I thought was fantastic. I really got into him too. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and they, did a great job. Yeah, he did. And then they, 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 funny again, they went between black and white and color a lot, you know, and it was very successful, I thought. Very yeah, successful. I, I'm going to give that one a pretty high recommendation. Me too. Me too. I, I think it's, it's pretty excellent. And uh, it's streaming, uh, must be Netflix, right? Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I think it's on Netflix. I think so. I, I forgot where it was now. I watched a lot of stuff the last few days. I watched all of Vigil. So I was going crazy. Crazy, crazy. Oh, you know what? After we saw, I'm jumping all over the place. Sorry. After we, we couldn't find anywhere open downtown. Whereas normally we're nice and organized. I know, not at all. Um, After we watched The Matrix, we wanted to go out somewhere downtown and we couldn't find anywhere that was open. And I kind of, we kind of thought that was going to happen. We went to, we knew that Miller's Pub was not going to be open. They were booked. They were open, but they were long booked. We looked, we walked by the windows and looked inside like really sad Christmas people. <laughs> oh, we wish we could go in. And then our pizza place that we really like, Exchequer, was not open. It wasn't even open. It wasn't sold out. It just wasn't open. And we're wandering around and we're like, should we go to Wicker Park? Should we go just go home? What should we do? And long, I couldn't believe it. I saw somebody moving around Palmer House. And you've been to Palmer House. It's that old hotel with the beautiful ceilings. And you sit in the lobby and they filmed um, The Unforgettable, not The Unforgettables. <sighs> Help me. Elliot Ness? The Untouchables. Untouchables. Unforgivables. The Untouchables. The Deplorables. The Deplorables. Yeah, they filmed uh, some of that in there. Anyway, it was open. Someone has opened it up again. And Stag was funny. He was like, yeah, they put all this drama. Oh, my God, COVID. We're going to go into business. We can't keep the hotel open. No one's going to be able to come out here. They get some grants. They get some tax breaks. It's back open again. Well, good for them, right? It is good. So we had a lovely little, um, he had a Moody Tongue beer and I had some Prosecco. And then I did something crazy. So we sit down and it's it was cold and uncomfortable. And we sit down and I say, oh my God, my phone's really low on a battery. Here's a little um, charger. How convenient that they have this phone charger right where we're sitting. So I stand up and I'm looking at this phone charger and I'm touching. I'm like, well, where does it, where do you plug this in? I wonder if it's the kind you just sit on top. Next thing I know, I push, apparently I push a little button and this loud flap happens, smash the whole um, cavalcade of this whole room. You know, it's a huge room with a huge ceiling. Everyone's like, what the hell? And the next thing I know, this TV is coming up like James Bond, up out of the floor. another smash and it wasn't even a tiny tv it was massive i don't know why they had a tv there um and then a waiter comes over he goes it sounds like a mad helm movie it was like a mad helm it was totally way more mad helm than james bond you're right and this waiter comes over may i help you and i went i said i'm sorry and then i couldn't stop laughing and steg was like keep saying you're sorry keep i said i said sorry (laughs) i said but i couldn't stop laughing i was like in that punch like punchy laughing yeah not cool um, but pretty funny. <laughs> Stag did not find it funny at all. Speaking of Lucy Ball, that was totally a Lucy moment.
Well, I've been spending quite a bit of time on the YouTube machine. Uh huh. I think more and more these days I watch things on YouTube. Yeah. Um, wow. I've mentioned in the past that uh, that I followed a couple of YouTubers who were living in um, in Vietnam. One was living in Dalat, a guy named Max McFarlane, mm-hmm. and another guy who was living in Hanoi, uh, whose name is Chris Lewis. Mm. And as it happened, many of the YouTubers who were living in Vietnam at that time became friends and collaborated with one one another and these guys both bailed from vietnam um in order to go back to america and get a vaccination oh and, wow uh, i think one was there maybe almost four years and the other one maybe two three years right. um and they had some very bad lockdowns anyway they both left they went home saw their families for a while and then they decided they would travel together mm. So um, I've been following both of their video streams. One is Chris Lewis channel and the other one is Daily Max. And they went to Peru, to Machu Picchu, which is, I mean, the videos were fun, but I have to say, it just didn't seem like an attractive place. It seemed like a tourist trap in the mountains to me. What, Machu Picchu? Yes. Oh. Well, yes, very, it seemed like the whole sacred. thing was very, it's a sacred tourist trap um, that, <laughs> that it was very, very much geared to, to the tourist industry. Um, anyway. Sort of know, like Notre Dame Cathedral? Videos. That was kind of fun. Um, and then they went back to New York for a couple days after Peru and then took off again, traveling together to Pakistan. Oh. And the Pakistan videos are so interesting because Pakistan is a place, I don't know anyone who's traveled to Pakistan. Um, it's, it's a place I don't know really anything about, except that, you know, it's partitioned off from the broader India, right? And that it's the, it's the Muslim mm-hmm. partition. Um, but really beyond that, um, and knowing they have mountains and the, that there was like... Uh, when there was all kinds of trouble in in Afghanistan, you know, they thought that there were Bin Laden was hiding in caves, maybe in Pakistan. Anyway, I didn't know anything about Pakistan. Right. These guys are are just being like backpackers going through Pakistan. And one of the things that strikes me is they are greeted with so much welcome and friendliness. Um there that it's it's really it's fantastic it's it's uh clearly it's a culture that's a handshaking culture everyone wants to shake their hand and wherever they go i guess because they they look different they're kind of surrounded by people who want to know what they're all about Hmm. um and who want to buy them chai Mm -hmm. um everyone's offering them chai um uh so it's pretty pretty interesting uh seeing what afghanistan looks like and um enjoying learning about it through their adventures mm. so those two um those two channels again are chris lewis and daily max and i'm gonna highly recommend them both oh. uh they're they just youtube their adventures while they travel and <laughs> in some of the videos they just hang out and talk to people on the street. Some of them, they'll like go for dinner. And they'll talk about the food. And they have one advantage as 
America's tra- Americans traveling in Pakistan, and that is that one of the guys, Chris Lewis, had spent time well in Vietnam studying Urdu. And hmm. he could, he's okay. very, very good at languages. He hmm. picked up in three years, he became extremely fluid, fluent in, in Vietnamese with a Northern Vietnamese accent um, and speaks Japanese and, and um, um, one of the Chinese dialects as well. Are you sure they're not spies pretending to be YouTubers? Well, that's always possible. <laughs> I mean, that is always possible. They could be spies. And, but, you know, no one's accused them of that. They just right. seem like kind of goofy guys yeah. who are curious about the world. Mm. Uh, anyway, they speak, because one of them speaks Urdu, it's mm-hmm. a quick introduction to people who are living there who are surprised to hear their language being spoken by these guys. Oh, I bet. Um, and so that's, that's sort of, they get instantly befriended mm-hmm. wherever they go. And so they're really, really delightful. And then I, I went to a channel. Oh, this, this mm-hmm. was probably a really, a real mistake. Oh my God. I was just, I was curious about how something in a fiddle was constructed. So okay. I went onto the YouTube and I searched how to make a fiddle. Mm. I never, ever should have done that. Uh-oh. Are you going to make a fiddle now? I found a series <laughs> by a guy named John Mangan. Mango. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And he's a guy who <laughs> it appears that he's made several fiddles and he works on motorcycles. Cool. And he's a really interesting guy and he's super clear about how to go about this. And I just got, I went down that rabbit hole and got wow. sucked right in. And I watched, I think there was, I don't know, it was like a dozen different videos to cover the making of a fiddle. And I assume that fiddles got made by magic mm-hmm. because right. humans couldn't possibly conceive of 3D, how to put together such a beautiful right, thing. 3D printing or something. <laughs> yeah, you know, or today, uh, I'm sure most fiddles today, uh, the, the cutting and carving is done mm-hmm. by those, what do you call it? Are they Lathe? CNC machines? Lathe? They're the computer generated machines where where the computer will scan all the computer will scan all sides of it and then basically create not 3D print, but will will carve and cut Mm. to Mm. uh, to the accurate Mm. dimensions. Mm -hmm. Um, In any case, I watched this and I realized that humans actually could make one of these things. And Mm. when he breaks it down into the individual videos, each covering a particular aspect of making a fiddle, you realize that none of the actual tasks are that daunting. (laughs) You know, each of the individual tasks, some of them look difficult, the carving ones, Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, most of them, you use a template, you cut stuff out, you bend wood, and, you know, I've been... Oh, my God. I've been starting to watch more videos about (laughs) how fiddles are being made. And, you know, I was texting um, our friend uh, Scott Childs the other night, and, you know, I found myself asking him (laughs) if it was possible to make um, a bending iron using using a heat gun and a pipe. And and I think I've set him to work. So um, I might have to, I might have to attempt wow. to make, to, uh, to make a fiddle. And of course it's, it's ridiculous activity. Um, you have to be crazy to make it because in order to tool up, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you could probably buy several cheap fiddles by the time you finish getting right. all the equipment. You know, it's like you making Bob a cheap Ray. fiddle. <laughs> like, you, you know, well, you're making a beautiful fiddle. Uh, a um, beautiful fiddle. That's what I meant do, to say. Do you remember Bob and Ray? The, the radio guys, the old time radio I don't remember them, I know who you mean. Yes, 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 yes. Well, they used to do a skit about making your own iodine. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's one of those things you can make simply at home. And they get into clearing the area beside your house to put in the railway <laughs> siding to bring in the kelp. <laughs> And I realize it's the same kind of thing. It's like it's like right. AG, just just stop watching the damn fiddle making well, I think videos. It's the gluing it together is going to be the hard part. Well, you know, you use hide glue as well. You have to. Um, Did you say you hide? Have, hide H I D E. It comes from the hide of of animals, yeah. and mm. you know, my like dad cats. used to always he used to always say, "Oh, send that dog to the glue factory." Well, right. that's. That's what he meant. Hide glue. Right. Uh, so um, that's not nice. There's a lot of little tool things that you have to you mm-hmm. have to worry about. Like the hide glue, you have to find you have to be able to keep it warm. And you can okay. buy a gl- special glue pot that has a built-in water bath for doing mm. it. Or you um, could use a, a pot. Or you could use uh, or you could use a small crock pot. Right. Put water in, it right. works perfect. So there's this, one of the things this guy has is easy and cheap solutions to expensive tools. I do like that. Um, so I'm fascinated. I'm, I'm starting to watch the series the second time through. <laughs> and like then I watch this other guy's series on how, to, how he approaches making it, which is similar, but everyone has their own like little ideas. Yeah. And then suddenly I'm watching this and suddenly I realize, oh mm-hmm. my God. Mm-hmm. There was a Eugene Napick who made violins. Oh, right. Exactly. I was, well, I that was named didn't occur after him. to you until later? No, it didn't it never oh, occurred to me. Oh my God, and then I... I thought, oh, I kind of have to do this then. Because because my uncle Gene, who I never met, oh. he made violins. Mm-hmm. Don't I have a responsibility as a Eugene Napick to make at might. least one? You might. Yeah. I think Were you going to say one. die cutter? I'm I still cut. stuck on trying to guess the machine you're talking about. Well, yeah, like a die cutter. I think it's right. called the CNC machine. CNC, okay. I, th- I could be wrong. I don't, what I do don't I know. know. I don't, I don't know. know. Anyway, you're going to do it by hand. Not do it by hand. Machine. Yeah. Yes, but there are, this That'll guy has some. save space since you don't have any. <laughs> the, well, the, there are certain <laughs> tricks. Uh-huh. Like um, you have to carve the, the top and the bottom plates. And to figure out how thick to carve them, he has this really great idea using a drill press. Mm-hmm. So if, if let's say the wood all over has to be, you, you carve the, the arch on one side and then you turn it over and you have to figure out how deep to carve on the other side. Well, if you know how, how thick the plate has to be in any given area, uh-huh. What he does is he sets up a drill press and he'll set the drill press so it drills holes into the plate down to the, the prescribed depth. And then you carve away until you can't see the holes from the drill, the drill holes anymore. Okay. It's very smart. That's a great it's, idea. What a great idea. Yeah, I, I can visualize these, that. Can and visualize and that. he's full of these great ideas. Hmm. Uh, and plus there's something just so 
wondrous and beautiful about doing something that's ridiculously complicated mm. by hand with lots of love. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's the kind of thing that, that reaches out and snatches me up and, you know, complex solitary activities are us, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's my, that's my comfort There's area. It's kind of an oxymoron in that statement, but that's okay. We'll live with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Our me. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> wow. So I don't know. Um, and okay. I did order a book. Oh, <laughs> about about violin making. All right, and I'm in the information gathering. Has it arrived yet? Yes. Oh well, what's the name of it? Um, I forget. Is it's, it by the guy doing the YouTube videos? No, it's 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 <laughs> by somebody else. Oh, okay. And there's a few books, but of course, the one that's the Bible, mm -hmm. the one that that everybody says you really uh -huh. need to have this particular book, right? It's like 161. dollars Oh my God! You know, because there's a library. You need, you need yeah, really. I, yeah. I I think I'll. That's what I'll have to do is see yeah. if I can get the library yeah. to uh, to get it and take pictures of every page or something. Sounds good. Um, because yeah. I think, I think I need to do that, but mm -hmm. you know, this guy's videos are so clear step-by-step step, that I kind of think against oh all odds, maybe I, I could do it. But do you have a drill thing that you can do that with? I mean, no, no you're going to have to go rent a workshop. That's not a big deal. You can rent a workshop. Well, I either right? that they're, or they're available. Either that, or there's a, there's a couple of tools that that okay. I would I would need a small drill press. You could go uh, camp at uh, Scott's house, maybe. Yeah, like a small drill press, you'd get 120 bucks. And oh my god, you're gonna buy the drill <laughs> because you're not gonna ever just make one. But you're not gonna make just one violin. All right, fiddle. <laughs> if I can make one, you think I'm gonna stop? Oh my god, I guess not. Apparently not. Um, now, isn't there some? Yeah, the, I'm gonna have to think about this. That's the, it's gonna be it's crazy, fun. right? It's yeah, crazy. Yeah, you're really gonna I'm, get I'm into that. I'm counting on you to talk me out of this. No, I don't know if I can. I was hoping Scott <laughs> would talk me out of it, but no, I think he's just gonna make oh me the uh, the bridge, uh, the bending whatever. iron. Oh, the bending iron. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah so Are you what that's have to find what some of the best about, horses now. What what it's about is is <laughs> the sides of the violin. Of course, violins have the nice, sexy shape, right? Yeah, I love that. Well, how do you you get that sexy shape? you have the sides, you have to bend that wood mm -hmm. to fit against a form. That's and how correct. do you bend the wood? Well, you dampen the wood and mm -hmm. you use a hot pipe. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can, you could go to, you could buy a fancy bending iron, but mm -hmm. there's people use um, oh uh, uh, hot pipes that are heated with heat guns or light bulbs. Um, one guy uses a curling iron jammed into a <laughs> copper plumbing pipe. Wow, and, that's yeah. ingenious. Yeah, and he heats that up and, in a that. vice and and uses that to bend his wood. So mm -hmm. there's an opportunity for lots of creativity. Mm -hmm. And, <laughs> you know, I I don't know. I, I, I still could talk myself out of this. Well, that sounds like you got some thoughts. I'm chewing on the <laughs> idea. I'm chewing yeah. on the idea. Because, yeah. you know, once you start doing this... <laughs> And you start tooling up, like mm -hmm. suddenly you're into, well, you need chisels, you need yes. gouges, you need calipers. Yes. You I might mean, want... you need a, a lot of stuff. There's probably, 
you know, for the, the cost it'll take to tool up to do the whole thing. I could probably buy a couple of decent fiddles. I'm but, sure that's true. <laughs> but, however, you know, um, it's more fun to make it. Get your hands busy. It's going to cut into your practice time, but maybe you're already practicing a lot anyway. It'll be something else to do in your day. Yeah. <laughs> I think it sounds pretty exciting. I look forward to hearing if you go through with this or not. Yeah. <laughs> I have I'm hoping own... I talk myself out of it, but yeah. you know, I'm not very good at that. No. Once, once a little idea like that starts eating away. Oh, yeah. And then you start doing a little bit of research. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. you start realizing, I can imagine myself doing this. Yes, yes, yes. I know no, what you mean exactly. This looks hard, but I think I could do it. <laughs> Practice a little bit. Wow, pretty exciting. Well, well, my rabbit, my rabbit hole, and I have many of them, but of course, is getting my paper organized right now. Mm-hmm. And so I've been ordering from the library a variety of books. And if they weren't at the library, I've had to go to the ordering machine for them. And it's just starting to come in now. I'm I'm a little bit challenged because. <laughs> I'm not sure how much information I'm going to find on what I want. I really want to know who designed film logos originally and what their life was, because I won't be able to figure out some of these things until I find out who these people were. So, um, you know, there's a number of early film logos that have stars in them, right? They're in space, they're a globe, they're a mountain, and they have stars or space Mm. or something in them. So I'm kind of discussing why that's uh, uh, a motif. Mm-hmm. So I've ordered up Hollywood Renegades, the Society of Independent Motion Picture Producers. Then I've ordered up, this is from the library, the New Historical Dictionary of the American Film Industry. Alan Dwan and the Rise and Decline of the Hollywood Studios. And then the American Flag, because the American Flag has stars on it too. I heard that. Yeah. yeah. So I'm kind of digging around on that. And um, I can't remember what else. Yeah, it's it's tricky. So I'm hoping that these books do help me out next or else I'm going to have to go to Paramount and look at their archives. (laughs) That would be fun. (laughs) That would be fun. Yeah. So when do you go down to New Mexico? Not until the end of February. Okay, so you have some time yet. Have some time and hopefully the virus will wane out a bit. Hopefully Mm, this will. I hope so. Yeah, because I'm kind of semi-wondering, are we going to cancel this and do it online again? And I owe you a chapter of our mystery novel. Oh, yeah. Um, and and I, I owe have you to say, one. I have to say that I was a bit stalled on. I just really just oh. couldn't get my brain around it. Yeah. Um, but a little idea has been starting to creep in. Oh, good. And I a little a idea, it's, it's working away oh, back good. in there. And I would think in a few days, I should be able to crank out uh, a chapter to send back Excellent. to you. Excellent. Very good. Very good. Yeah, so that's what I'm that's what I'm up to. Not much else than that. I, I mean I've really got to get down to it now. Oh yeah. You're yeah. gonna you're yeah. gonna be quite busy for the next yeah. few weeks. Definitely. And I'm not fast. I'm not however the good thing yes. is is the is the 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 conference provides a cornucopia of guest opportunities for this podcast. That's correct. So um let's hope for the let's hope we get some more guests. I know we will. I know we will. Yeah. Yeah. Well that's it for me. And you know I think you had a great idea. Do we want to talk about anything else in the past year or that we did on our podcast or anything? Well, you know, I think I just like to thank our listeners because I know that we have 
a, a quite a number of listeners who are very loyal and keep coming mm-hmm. back over and over again. Yeah. And that's really amazing. I really appreciate it. It's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you I for coming. It too. We, Thank you we, so much. We, we love you out there. And uh, we're going to do our best to, to keep coming up with uh, interesting podcasts for you. Definitely. And we're going to be back at you in 2022. Happy New Year. Over and out. Peace. Peace.